All right, so we're going through ancient solutions to modern problems. Again, we're just hitting questions, and I just want you to know where we're going to kind of go. Um, is that um, I'm going to be speaking this weekend, and then Pastor D is going to take the class the next two weekends uh, that are going to take place. I'm, I'm going to go actually on vacation for a couple weeks as the leadership classes do the sermons, and then also um, uh, D will take this discipleship class, and then we'll pick it up um, again in June. And when we pick it up in June, I know there's some hot topics that are out there that we're going to get to, I, I promise. But this is also a topic that, that we could run all next year if we want. I mean, just because they're, they're personal questions. And, and, uh, and we'll definitely get to them and, and work through them as we, as we walk through it. Um, but um, hopefully we'll get all the questions answered. I said I would. So we'll get all the questions answered that has been asked this year. And, um, and, and we'll, we'll get them done. So here we go again. Number one. How do you know what God's will is for your life? Another phenomenal, phenomenal question. As people are wondering, who should I marry? Where should I work? Where should I go to school? I know who wrote this question, and it is a young person who wrote this question that is ready to walk into the world. So when you want to walk into the world, you will ask that question, what is God's will for your life? Well, in the Bible, there's two different wills. God has two different wills. Um, that are out there, um, that are given to us, that are granted to us. Uh, one will is called the written will. You know, the written will says, thou shalt not and thou shalt do. So in other words, if I'm tempted to commit adultery, I don't need to say, well, maybe I should pray about it and see if I should or not. No, it says in the Bible, thou shalt not commit adultery. I mean, that's, that's, it's a written will, and the will is just all over the word of God. It is, this is the way it is. And, uh, and there's no mystery. There's no mystery to, uh, to any of it. You know, should I lie on my taxes? You know, because if I lie on my taxes, then I actually get more money to be able to give to the church. That's a good idea. No, I don't have to pray about that. I don't have to think about it. Thou shalt not lie, period. It's written will. It's out there. And um, so you ask what the will of God is. You hand him a Bible. It says, you know, here is the will of God. Now there's a different will um, that is out there. It's called a providential will. And we see that through stories in, in the Old Testament, and we see it even through stories in the New Testament. And, and the providential will is that God is in control of Joseph's life. And we see the story of Joseph. You know, what takes place in the story of Joseph? Horrible things happen to Joseph. And Joseph said, what am I doing, God? Well, God's up there going, oh boy, do I have a plan for what is going on. And you say, there's no plan. There's no understanding. There's no, I have no idea what's taking place. And God is moving him and micromanaging him to be one of the top officials on Egypt for a purpose to save the people. It's providence. What it is, is God's hand is over it. God's hand is moving it. God's hand is, is designing it. And he has a plan. And it is a good plan. So when you look at what is God's will, you hand your Bible and say, obey it. <laughs> it's, it. It's God's will. But the question here they're asking is, what about this school that I should go to? What about this marriage that I should have? What should this person look like? So my answer to finding God's will would be obey the written will, then you can enjoy your providential will. See, what happens is the written will has been given to us. And when we take the written will completely seriously, it is going to unfold a life. 
It's going to unfold our life into a plan that God has created. And it's going to be good or it's going to be, it's going to be maybe not so good. So what happens if somebody says, I'm going to obey the written will, and whatever it says, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to make sure that I'm committed to God in reading his word, memorizing his word, embracing his word. It's going to be part of my life. If you are passionate to do that, all of a sudden you're going to be faced with a question. And what would the question be? Who do I marry? Who do I marry? Doing that is creating inside of us a decision that would be powerful and strong. So when it comes to who do I marry, you can even trust yourself. Why? Because wisdom is seeing all the corners in the large, large picture. And if you move into the written will and say, I'm going to obey the written will, I'm going to follow God, it's going to be my passion, it's going to be my desires, your eyes are going to be opened up to the large, large picture. And you'll be able to see things. Boy, should I marry this guy? Well, he has an anger problem. Uh, boy, a vicious anger problem. But I still think he's got this. Maybe I should just know that anger problem is going to be so large in your mind if you're obeying the written will of God because God is going to take you through everything for the purpose of being able to be healthy. So there, there is, you know, I'm, I'm anti-prosperity gospel. But I'll tell you what happens is that if we go into the Word and we just shove ourselves in the Word, study it, memorize it, and it's part of us, what's going to take place is we're going to make decisions in regards to that that will be healthy for our life. That's just what's going to happen. You know, what is wisdom? Wisdom is making a decision when the moral rules don't apply. Well, moral rules, moral law is 20% of decisions that we make. 80% you need to make them out of wisdom. By shoving into that 20%, we'll have wisdom to make the other percent. So definitely, when you're looking for the will of God, number one, just obey the written will, and then you can enjoy the providential will. And then you're going to look and say, boy, this providential will is not going very good. Well, guess what you get to do? You get to relax. Because think about Paul. Paul says, I'm going to obey the written will like crazy. And what does he do? He obeys the written will and what does he do? <laughs> he gets killed for it. <laughs> he, he, he gets beat up for it. He gets stoned for it. He gets a thorn in God's, in his flesh for it, for obeying the written will. But yet Paul, he's what? One of the most content people in the world. I'm going to obey the written will. And as I obey the written will, something beautiful is going to take place. Something beautiful is going to happen. Even if I don't see it on this earth, people will be reading about me for the next 2,000 years. So what happens when we obey the written will, God's mind comes on us. God's heart comes on us. God's emotions come. Everything comes on us when we obey the written will. So when you get the comments that obey the Bible, read the Bible, love the Bible, embrace the Bible, it's going to drive your life. It will send your life. It will give you wisdom. It will make, allow you to make the decisions that are right and, the, and that are correct. And I would throw some data to prove that as well, is that if you look at marriages that take place, this is just data, you look at marriages that takes place, you marry who you are. <laughs> That's what you do. You marry uh, who you are. And so your commitment, your passion, your drive, and your love for God's Word, you're not going to take anything outside of that. You're going to see light. Ah, oh, no, that person's going that direction. No, this, when this is you, you will choose who you are. And that's where couples 
um, um, that's how couples get connected. So it also goes on the negative side. You know, have problems with drugs, have problems with drinking, have problems with, you know, sex outside marriage, you know, have problems with all these problems that's inside. Well, guess what? You marry who you are. <laughs> so you marry the same thing. <laughs> and, and so be the person you want to marry. That would be the strength of trying to understand God's will if you're asking the question in regards to marriage. But in regards to your job, just make decisions. Just obey God's written will and then make decisions and watch how things go and watch how things move. So what we're going to do is we're going to, you guys can raise your hand and ask questions in regards to each of these that are, that are here, but I'm not giving you a long slack time. I'm not going to say, does anybody have a question and wait for a long time? So any of these questions that I bring up, if you have a question, just raise your hand and then I'll just stop and then we'll wait for your question in regards to this topic as we are working through um, different topics. So how do you know God's will in your life? I'd say obey the written will, then you can enjoy the providential will. Number two, how do we live as a reflection of Christ? How do you be a traditional Christian? Another very, very good question. And, and what I'm trying to do with these questions is giving you fast answers. <laughs> you know, you can unpack the fast answers, and, 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 um, but just take the fast answer at the surface and let the fast answer drive your life. If somebody asks, how do I live a life that reflects Christ, and how do you be a traditional Christian, I go right to the ultimate commandment, love God and love others. Every single time. Love God and love others. That's, that's what I want you to do. Because if you do that, what? You're going to fulfill the whole entire law. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law uh, and the prophets hang on these two commandments, meaning that if you meet those two commandments, you will actually complete the entire law. So when you look at Christianity, it's like, okay, I want to be a good Christian. How do I be a good Christian? Ask yourself, do I love God? Ask yourself, do I love others? Because that's what a Christian looks like is somebody that carries that. Look at number three. How do we, as, traditional, as Christians, traditionally date? Very, 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 very good question that would take some time, that many people have different, different um, opinions, opinions about. And... Um, and I will tell you that the opinion that you guys are doing or the method that you're doing, you know, is, is often right if you've thought about it. In other words, I'm going to try to do this to make sure Christians date this way. I'll tell you that, you know, D has, um, you know, when he's looking at his daughters, you know, he has something in his mind. You know, when my sons and my daughters date, this is the, this is the systematic way that, uh, that we can move into dating and how I want to train my daughters to date. Now, how I want to train how my sons to date. And, and then for me as well, I'm the same thing. It's like I'm raising two kids. Well, I want to train my daughters, you know, how to date and teach them, you know, how to date. And right now I'm coming from a, a, a parent's perspective, and I'll get into um, a young person's perspective. But from a, a parent's perspective, I can only give you what I did <laughs> um, in regards to my daughters are going to date. What do I do to get, you know, to, to prepare my daughters uh, for dating? Well, number one, um, when I was in the hospital, my daughters fit in the palm of my hands. And I look at it and say, one day I'm going to get rid of this girl because she's going to marry another man. I better do something about it now. <laughs> so in other words, make the decision as soon as they're born, 
I'm going to raise this person. Why? <laughs> Not to get rid of them, but they're going to make decisions in their life that are going to change and alter the course of their life. And one of the biggest decisions they're going to make is who they're going to date. So the way that I did it, and I wouldn't change the way that I did it. You can just take some of the stuff that, you can, um, that I say, and you don't have to do it the way that I did it. But uh, the way that I, my wife and I um, put parameters is we're going to give them two rules. Um, two rules. And we're going to raise these children in regards to two rules. The reason why we didn't get them three is because we wanted to make sure that the two rules were there. <laughs> in other words, we didn't want them to disobey the, the, um, the two rules. Because if they disobey the two rules, then, then we could be in trouble. So two rules. And um, what was the two rules that we raised our children with? Um, Number one is don't lie. Just don't, don't lie. Don't want to, never lie to us. Um, whenever I speak to you and you have the truth, don't lie. So when we were raising our kids and they'd get in trouble, you know, we would talk to our kids. Just tell us exactly what you did, you know, and, and we trained our kids to make sure that the truth comes out. Therefore, we had to respond appropriately when the truth came out, even if we didn't like the truth, because we never wanted our kids to lie. That was one of the major, major rules that, that we had. And um, then the other rule was always talk to us. Always talk to us. Don't lie and always talk to us. What's going on? What's going on with your emotion? What's taking place in your life? What's taking place in your school? What's, what's, what's happening? Let's just sit down and let's talk. And, and we put these two rules in place. And the reason why we put those two rules in place is because when you pull your children close to you, you get to train your child in the way that they should, can go. And so we started very, very young. Don't lie. Always talk to us. It kept conversations going. And then all of a sudden, we start moving into, you know, the possible dating field. Now, some people set boundaries on dating. You can't date until you're 16, or you can't date until you're 18. You can't date until you're 20, whatever those are, you know, and that's, that's okay. But my wife and I, uh, we didn't set those boundaries. We said, oh, you can, you can date anytime you want. In fact, yeah, you can date, you know, you date your cousin at six years old, which I think they are doing that, dating their cousin. Hey, I've got a boyfriend. Who? Josiah Dadera is my cousin. It's like, okay. You know, and then my kids were saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to marry dad when I get older. You know, yeah, that's, that's great. You know, but what we're doing is we're talking about these relationships as they're walking through. And we're just consistently having these conversations as they're, as they're, as they're growing up and as they're, as they're going. So when it, all of a sudden it took place where they started... Um, getting crushes. In other words, junior high started to take place. Well, we know that when junior high takes place, things go in children's mind that they just don't talk about. But what did we want to do? We wanted to talk about it. So that's why we had ask them, hey, who do, you, who do you have a crush on? You have a crush on anybody? And why would you do that is because we want them to talk to us. You know, sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. I'm not going to tell my parents that I have a crush. Well, we tried to harvest it into, oh, yeah. My wife would go, yeah, he's, you know, he's a cute-looking guy. You know, and they'd be able to talk about it. Nothing's going to happen. But, you know, they had that freedom to talk fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. And we just keep on doing that as, as my daughters are, are consistently growing up to harvest a relationship where... People are talking where we can have them next to us, where we can know what is taking place and we can know what is going on. And then as they grow older and then they start dating, um, what takes place? Well, more so my wife than me, my daughters talk to my wife in regards to the relationship. 
it would look like, you know, me and my wife laying in bed and getting a call from my daughter and says, men are absolutely crazy. What's the deal? And my wife would go, I know, I've been married to one for 25 years. And yeah, I mean, and, and I said, what are you, are you talking about? She just said, roll over, go to bed. I'm just talking to your daughter, you know. But what happens is that they get to work through that process. They get, they get to make steps through that process. And my wife is well-trained on how to be married to a husband because she's been with the husband and all the mistakes that she makes, all the mistakes that I make, all the life that we have can instantly be shared to somebody who is seeking information on an unknown area, which is I'm dating a man that is completely and entirely different than me, that functions different. But my wife would go, oh, don't worry, I know how he functions. They're all the same. You know? <laughs> yeah, my husband, that, yeah, they, they're, all, they're, all, they're all the same. So there's a, a training process that can be there. There's an information process that even goes on inside um, of a person that is dating. So if you're a parent, um, you, know, you, can have, you can have more rules, but we only wanted those two to really be good. But I just want to encourage you to be so open with your kids. Because so much happens in their life. And as there's so much happening in their life, who are they going to talk to? Where are they gonna, who are they going to lean on? Who are they going to be next to? And, um, and they'll find peers if it's not the parents. So you have to open up that channel to make sure that the kids are talking to them. Now, that means that the way we respond to our kids has got to be very, very healthy. If they say something that you really don't like, I mean... I have a crush on this guy. Well, he's a creeper. You know, <laughs> you don't say that. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's good. Well, yeah, yeah it's good. You, you know, you just kind of work through those. You work through those things. But information um, is given. So the area that um, that I would uh, look at on how do Christians traditionally date? This is for the person who dates. Um, a wise person listens, learns, and asks. And that's why I wanted to train that in my kids, because we wanted them to listen, learn, and ask, and harvest that inside so they'll be right next to us as we walk through life. And where do we get that? We get that from Proverbs 1, 2 through 7. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen, add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings of riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. We see in that you listen, you learn, and you ask, and we need to harvest that in our children. And if you are looking into dating, you know, young age or you know, um, older age or wherever it's at, I would encourage you to listen, learn, and ask because you are moving into an area that, I mean, it's the first time you've ever walked into this area. And it is an interesting area, we'll put it that way. I've had too many kids that I know of that have had um, sex education from pornography on the phone or pornography on the, on the, um, on the, the computer. And there's things going inside the kids, and they, want, they need to learn. They want to learn. And often the parents is the last person they will go to because they don't want to say it out loud. So a parent should be saying it out loud. A parent should be asking out loud. A parent should be bringing up the topics that the kids will not bring up so you can have a safe harvest 
that is there between the parent and the child walking together. So when you're older, the child will listen, learn, and ask in that regard. So when you're looking at uh, the person that is dating, number, um, I guess they're not numbered, but walk with a relaxed person when you date is what I would encourage you to do. What I mean by walk with a relaxed person, um, my wife is a relaxed person for my kids, and uh, it's been opened up with that avenue where you know she's the one that you know works with them, walks with them, enjoys it, and um, and um, is actually their relationship grows even as a result of it. Uh, some people feel like I don't know if I can talk to my parents about this. I would encourage you to try to talk to your parents, and if you can't, I'd encourage you to have somebody there that is strong. And the, the reason why is because when we date, we get absorbed into the one person. So in other words, if you have a, a female dating male, I'm sorry, I raise girls, so I'm just going to talk female to male, but we can go male to female as well. If, if you have a female dating a male, you can get absorbed and locked into that specifically. And you have no place to share your emotions, you have no place to share your feelings, you have no place to be educated, you have no place to lean on, and all of a sudden, that person is not the quality, marriage quality. Then what are you going to do? Well, sadly to say is that we, they don't walk with people, so they grab a hold of that person, and that person is now their life, and they make decisions they should not be making. We have to have shoulder to shoulder as we're walking with somebody. Prayerfully, it's parents but if it's not parents, somebody that you love, somebody that is next to you, somebody that will listen to you. Some people will say, yeah, we had a fight you know, the other day with my, my boyfriend, and he keeps on doing this. And somebody that will speak in your life and say, you know what? He does this consistently. This is what it's going to look like. It's not going to be good. So the encouragement that it would be parents, because they've gone through it. But if, it's, if, if, if that relationship is not happening with parents. In fact, I tell everybody to do it with parents. If it's not happening with parents, you still can't isolate yourself to the individual that you're dating because they're going to take you to wherever you, want to, wherever you want to go. And it gets really, really ugly really, really fast. You make decisions that are completely, entirely wrong. Uh, the next one is set boundaries uh, when you date. This is what you want to do before you date. You want to set the boundaries so you don't have to, you know where not to cross, is to literally say, you know, this is what we're doing. And these are the boundaries that are going to take place. And those boundaries are spoken before it, it ever happens. Because if, if there's no boundaries, then things just get fuzzy, and then you just kind of go along, and then all of a sudden, things happen. And all of a sudden, things start taking place. All of a sudden, you're too far. If you only set boundaries in your mind, you can be pushed too far. You have to set boundaries as a couple to say, this is who I am, and if you don't want to date me as a result of it, then, then that's, that's fine. And uh, those boundaries are set by you, can be set by you and your parents, whatever, you, you, um, whatever that situation is. Again, we're talking to you know, a lot of different people with different situations. Um, but uh, set those boundaries in place so you just don't get swept away into it. And then the next one, and some people might disagree with me, but don't date to get married, <laughs> date to learn. <laughs> it's, uh, You'll probably say, what do you mean, don't date to get married? Shouldn't we date to get married? Well, if we all of a sudden date to get married, you don't get to back out. <laughs> I mean, that, would be my, that would be my fear. You're going to make a decision that you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person. This person's going to have your kids. This person's going to have, um, is going to be connected as one flesh. It's the largest decision that you're going to make. Be wise in making it. And sometimes by our, our motto in the back of our mind, 
when it comes to, it, oh yeah, I'm going to date just to get married, we lock ourselves in. And when we lock ourselves in, we're not observing, we're not watching. You know, some people say, I won't date at all unless I am going to get married. I, um, I wouldn't suggest that. You know, some people say, yeah, you need, I would suggest, they would suggest that, but I would not suggest that because in a dating relationship is where you're going to know the person you're dating more than any other time. You know, when you move from here into a romantic relationship, you're going to get to know um, um, what makes that person mad. You get to know what that person thinks. I mean, you're going to get to know that person on a level that would be a marriage level, not on a level that would be a friendship level. So in my mind, and you can disagree with me, remember we can disagree, you know, you guys could say, no, this is what I think should take place. I'm just saying this is what I've done. In my mind, I just tell my kids, you know, don't date to get married. Get date, date to learn. And, and if you're going to date to learn, yes, it's freedom. Yeah, I can't, I've got to get away from it because it's not working out. And no, it's not what I think is going to, should take place. And then all of a sudden they'll be able to back, back out and, uh, and move a different direction. And we pe- think that, you know, breakups are, are really, really um, unhealthy. Um, you know, if we're going to make a huge decision in our life, you know, no matter what we go through in regards to making that huge decision, as long as it's going to be right, no matter what we takes place in regards to getting there, it's okay. You know, breakups is, is, kind, of, is kind of where it goes, the way it is um, in, in some cases. So people will say, well, are you using people? Um, if you date to learn rather than date um, to get married, um, I'm all about the decision. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many people that come to my office and say, I made the wrong decision. You have a sharp time before you make an ultimate decision that's going to change the entire course of your life. The decision is where all the weight goes. In my mind, and nowhere else. It goes all on the decision. And if you start dating, and all of a sudden things get, start getting physical, things start getting, you know, a whole bunch of stuff goes, well, then make the decision. Well, i got to get out of it. Make the decision because things are going to rise. Make those decisions as you're, getting, as you're getting closer to it. So this is what I would say. And some people would say, ah, you know, I'd rather go a different direction. But um, this is the approach that my wife and I have taken uh, with our children. And um, if I had to do it all over again, um, I wouldn't change the approach um, because we do have kids that talk to us um, about, you know, about everything. And, um, and it's, it's uh, worked out for us. But, you know, different approaches are okay as, as well. Any questions on, on that piece? Oh, you're just going to let me talk the whole time. All right. Uh, how do you get out of sexual addiction? Great, great questions, because if the sexual addiction has tackled America, has tackled individuals, has tackled families and is wiping families out, is wiping children out, is annihilating uh, so much. Uh, so how do you get out of sexual addiction? I just wanted to make fast answers and sharp and then feed off those answers. I'd say, number one, starve it. Appetites increase when they're fed and decrease when they're not. That just obey the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. Starve it. Get away from it. If, 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 if um, so a, a counselor told me this, this uh, one time when we were, my wife and I were in counseling when we were um, newly married and we had an issue. We said, oh, we're going to go to counsel and work through the issue before we get, you know, before we, we move on. And, and we got into a whole bunch of different talks and we got into the talk about sexual relationship. And as, as we were talking, the counselor said, that I'll never forget, he says, it takes more control 
when you're mar- sexual control when you're married than even when you're not. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You know, I'm married. I have, a, I have a wife. We can we can have sex. He's like, no. The way that you work together is you want a harmony in relationship, and you want to harvest those pieces of it. And the more that you feed it, the more that you want it, the more you desire it. And that's why we get comp- consistently even out of even out of whack in regards to that. So the pieces of it is to starve it, because when the appetite is fed, you want more and you want more and you want more. Uh, people that um, do get extremely obese, how can you get extremely obese? The way that you do it is your appetite increases as you continue to eat. So it's the same way with sex. You want to starve it, or else you want more and more and more and more. And then number two, replace it with something better. Starve it and replace it. And you start thinking of replace it. Um, replace it with what? What do you replace sex with? Um, this is what I'd say replace it with. Is that sexual addiction is going to go after my children. It's going to annihilate their father for the purpose of destroying them. And in the way that it does is it destroys my relationship with my wife. It destroys my relationship in my home. It destroys my relationship in my, in my spirit. It destroys my relationship in my job. It destroys all pieces and dynamics of your relationships everywhere. That's what it's, it's better for. That's what it's built for. So in my mind, I'm like, I need something better, stronger, more beautiful, something that's golden, something that's, that's, that's rich, something that's, that's sacred. And I'd say it right there. My relationship with my wife is sacred. And I want to keep it absolutely sacred. And I'm going to make it strong. And I'm going to make it rich. Because in God's plan, it topples all of the garbage that is out there. I'm going to make my children above it. That's what I'm going to replace it with. I'm going to say, I'm raising two souls that's going to spend an eternity somewhere. And where are they going to spend an eternity? They need a dad that is on the right game. And I'm going to invest. I'm going to work. Their dad is going to be alive. Their dad is going to be committed. Their dad is going to have integrity. Their dad is going to be strong. What you're doing is you're replacing it. Yeah, I want my wife. Yes, I I want my kids. I don't want any sort of hypocrisy to take place in my life. You replace it. To say there's something better out there than this craving that does nothing but destroy individuals and destroy families. It completely annihilates everything. But what else is out there? I mean, we have a king of kings and a lord of lords, and we have a heaven that is, is, is right in front of us that we're walking to. You've got to find something that's bigger than it. Open our eyes. <laughs> Everything's bigger than it. Everything is bigger than it. Even when it comes to sexuality, I think I mentioned this before, but you know, what is sexuality all about? You know, God's the one that created sex, and there's a book, Song of Solomon, that's written entirely about, about sex. What is it about? And, and the thing that it's about is that to be known is what intimacy is. To be known physically is what sex is. In fact, when you, all your clothes are off, what are you saying? I'm being known. And when you're saying I'm being known, then, then the other thing that goes into your mind is I'm going where no one else should go. I mean, that's just that's what takes place. I mean, I'm just explaining it in graphic detail. I'm being completely known, going to an area that I should not be going. What is that pushing towards? What is that moving towards? Why is it even given to us and, and given us a blessing as a result of it? Because one day, and don't get warped here, but one day... 
We're going to see God face to face, and he will be completely and entirely known. And we're going where we should never go before. And what God consistently says is, you adulterous people, stop committing adultery in this world, because one day, your King of kings and your Lord of lords, you will see him face to face and walk in the holies where you should not be, and it is going to be the best thing you'll ever receive in your life, the day that you see God face to face. So sexual relationship with my wife is just a, a foretaste of glory. It's just a foretaste of what's going to happen in my future even when I see God. The foretaste of rush where I'll be completely, he's going to be completely known. And I will be completely known. And in that process, be completely and entirely loved. See, God is a creator of these things. And as he has given us these blessings, these blessings are being pushed somewhere. And it's pushed under, we are the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. And one day, the bridegroom will then take their bride on a glorious day, which a wedding day is supposed to be glorious. See, all that stuff is pointing towards a direction. And it's all pointed directly and entirely towards, towards God. Wow, I just looked at the time. It's 11.15. I better stop talking. So, um, <laughs> uh, looking at 5, 6, and 7, yes, I've got more that we need to bring. I'll bring those uh, next, not next week, but two weeks down the road. We'll bring those, and then we'll get into those other topics that are big. Thank you guys so much for listening. James, thank you so much for talking. Very, very much appreciate it. We'll see you guys.